Well, good morning, Grace people. I have to take a deep breath because you make me nervous. (laughs) Oh, well, welcome to the two of you guys and those of you who are joining us online. I love a good story. I love a good story with a good plot. My wife will tell you straight up, though, I do not read fiction. Just, I just don't do it. But what I love even more than a good story is when there are a bunch of little stories that come together to tell one big, sweeping, epic story, which is why I'm such a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. (laughs) Am I right? I mean, clearly, I love the Bible. But if you're not into the MCU, you're definitely missing out. Um, And I've been going back ever since Thor Love and Thunder was released. I haven't watched it yet uh, because I've been like slowly working my way through all the movies, Uh, all the Thor movies, the first one, which is great, the second one, the third one. Ragnarok, all right? It's, it's like, I think, one of, the top five, uh, one of the top five movies in the whole series. And it's about this prophecy that Thor's homeland, Asgard, where he's from, is going to be destroyed, just utterly just gone forever. And he's talking to his dad, Odin, about this. And he's, he's saying he's really worried about it. And Odin says, Asgard is not a place. It never was. Asgard is a people. Ah, so beautiful. And then lots of fighting and fire and destruction. It's amazing. Uh, Well, you know, as I was thinking about um, preaching today, I was thinking about uh, Israel. Israel is a place, or is it a people? What is Israel? How did Israel come about? Why is Israel? You know, we hear about this, and we hear about the Israelites and all this, but so far in our story, in our our trek through the Bible, we haven't even touched on who or where that comes from yet. So today, uh, we're going to enter into uh, the birthright saga, so you can hear what's coming up next um, and figure out what, what is this Israel thing. So we're working our way through Scripture. Last week, uh... We heard about Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac was not sacrificed. Yay! He's really happy about that. So he grew up, and his mama wanted him to get married, but she's like, these local Canaanite women are not good enough for my boy. So she was like, I'm going to send somebody to my hometown to bring somebody back for him. Hopefully somebody from their family. Gross. So... (laughs) She sends a guy, a servant of theirs, Sarah sends a servant of of the families back to her hometown with, he's got 10 camels and he's got a bunch of jewelry and all this stuff because his goal is to find a wife for Isaac. And he's on his way and he says to himself, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. So he prayed. He's like, God, I'm going to hang out by the well. And when all the single ladies come out and put their hands up, I pray... (laughs) that when they come and get their water, that I'll ask one of them for a drink, and she'll say, yes, I'll give you a drink. And not only that, good sir, but may I water your camels. That's his prayer. That's his only strategy. Let's see how it works out. So he goes, he sits there, he prays, all the ladies are coming out, and guess what? One of them he sees, and he's like, oh, she's she's really pretty. I think Isaac might like her. Uh, and then he says, oh, excuse me, would you mind? Would you, I'm really parched. Can you get me a drink? And uh, she says, sure, here's a drink. Oh, may I also water your camels? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So uh, he puts a bunch of jewelry on her. He gives her a nose ring and bracelets because that's normal when people water your camels. <laughs> we all know that. 
Uh, and they go back to this girl's family. Her name is Rebecca. And they go back to Rebecca's family and uh, have a conversation. And long story short, yes, Rebecca is going to go back with this guy to meet Isaac. And they meet each other. They see each other. They get married. And they love each other. Yay! Much better than being sacrificed. <laughs> so Rebecca gets pregnant. And in her womb, there are twins. And they're fighting each other. Drama! So she asks, Lord, why are these twins fighting? And, and he says to her, the Lord says, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Now, this is normal if you're like a last born like me, because you think you're the best anyway. But in ancient Israeli culture, uh, this would not be normal. The, the oldest always gets the birthright. They get, uh, they get more of the inheritance. They get more stuff, more privileges and spiritual authority. Like to, to be the oldest and to have this birthright is really important and really great for them. They also get the blessing uh, through whom the family goes through. Bless you. And to that point, a blessing in Israel wasn't just like I just said to Bob, which is just a bless you. A blessing in Israel is like when you give a blessing, it only goes to one person. Like it goes through your family line and that person gets this stuff. You, you can't bless multiple people or do it in parts. It's, it's, it's just one blessing. They get it. All right. So what happens next? The two twins of which the younger uh, will be the, the stronger one of the older. Somehow, they're born. And Esau comes out first. And Esau is just a hairy little beast. Little monkey man. That's how he comes out. That's all it says. He's hairy and he's red. Cool. Then, right on his heels, literally, is Jacob, who's got his hand on that little hairy baby's heel, just holding on to it. Maybe his fingers were caught in the hairs. I don't know. But he was holding on to it. And so he gets the name Jacob, which is, it's like heel grabber, which in that uh, culture is like uh, another way to say somebody is a liar or a, um, or a deceiver. And the word name Jacob really means supplanter. It's like one who's going to just uproot and take over. So that's, that's a cool name. I bet he was really confident about that. As they were growing up, Esau became the hunter. He's the outdoorsman. He's, he's hairy. He's outdoorsy. He hunts. He's basically a Minnesotan, right? And he's Isaac's favorite because Isaac loves to eat meat. That's his big thing. He's like, yeah, yeah, love my meat. Me and Isaac would have gotten along. But Jacob, it says he's a man of the tents, which basically means he's a house kid. He just stays inside, and he's a mama's boy. As we get to Genesis 25, we get this story, and this is, this is uh, an epic twist. This is where it all starts, right? Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Dang. <laughs> Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread, some stew. He ate and drank, and then Esau got up and left. And Esau despised his birthright. Bum, bum, bum. So Jacob got Esau's birthright. His, so this is, remember, the head of the household, twice the inheritance, and that spiritual authority within his family for soup, for soup. And there's a deep spiritual truth here. 
And that's, women, if your man is hungry enough, just put the food first and say, don't eat yet, I have to talk to you about something. <laughs> and you'll just get whatever you want. Yeah, fine, fine, fine. Just do the Amazon shopping cart. I don't care. Just let me eat. So was this a trick from Jacob? Was he tricking Esau? Because honestly, it seems like Esau didn't even want his birthright to begin with. He was just that, that readily about to give it up. But the thing I'm wondering about, like, well, Jacob obviously did want the birthright, but I'm wondering why. Because in the entire story of Jacob, you don't see Jacob as somebody who's trying to get money or land or more stuff for himself or to make his name great or to be great. There's, it's just not this like pride thing that you would expect. Oh, he's going to get the birthright and then he's going he's gonna to take over. Uh, rather, uh, it, it, it just doesn't happen. So my question is, what was Jacob looking for? Well, as Isaac, his dad, Jacob's dad, was getting older, he's pretty much blind at this point. Uh, what, what does Isaac want? Well, he wants a big meal. He wants some meat soup from his son Esau uh, so that uh, basically he's, gonna, he's like, I'm getting old, I'm going to die soon. Bring me like a last great meal so I can eat that, and then I'm going to pass on my blessing to you. Well, Rebecca, Isaac's wife, hears this, and she's like, I want the blessing for Jacob. So she devises a cunning plan, which Jacob is to put into action. She says, all right, Jacob, Esau is leaving to go hunt. So what I want you to do is before he gets back, you need to go kill a goat, bring it back, make a stew that you can feed your father. Then we're going to take that goat's hair. We're going to put it on your arms so that you feel like Esau, because what kind of a man was he? (laughs) And we're going to dress you up in Esau's clothes so that you're, you're, like, you're like Esau to your blind dad. And then you're going to feed him, and you're going to take the blessing. So that's exactly what happens. Uh, Jacob does this. He, he kills the goat. He makes the soup. He goes to the dad, and he's like, hey, dad, I got you soup. And he's like, who's that? He's like, oh, it's Esau, I promise. <laughs> he says, come here. And he feels him, and he's like, feels like Esau. <laughs> <laughs> then he smells him because he's got Esau's clothes on. He's like, well, I guess he smells like Esau. He says, your voice sounds like Jacob, but you're, you feel and smell like Esau. So give me the soup. So he eats the food. And then after he's done eating, he's like, all right, here you go, Esau. And he puts his hands on him and he gives him the family blessing right there. He blesses him. And this isn't just any blessing. This is like the one, you know, Abraham told, uh, or God told Abraham, like, you're going to be the father of many nations and the whole world will be blessed through you. This is that blessing that is going from Abraham. It's gone to Isaac. And now Isaac is passing it on to Esau. No, to Jacob. Jacob just got it. Well, that happens as Jacob is leaving. Esau comes back. And he's like, hey, dad, I got, I got the meat. And Isaac says, well, who's that? And he's like, it's Esau. I got, I got the meat for the food. And, and he says, I, I, already, I already ate. Jacob stole your blessing. And Esau is gutted. Ah! And he says, isn't there any blessing left for me? And there's just not. There just isn't. So Esau is, is, is saying to himself, basically, after dad dies, Jacob's next. He's going to pay for this. So essentially, Jacob has got to get out of there. 
Now, Rebecca, apparently, you know, obviously has to get her favorite son, uh, Jacob, out of there. So she convinces Isaac that he needs to send him to her brother Laban's house. Why? Why else would you send somebody to your brother's house? To find a wife from his family. Again, gross. Uh, but on his way. So Jacob is on his way. He's go there. Isaac agrees. Uh, Jacob is on his way there, and he reaches a certain place. And this is Genesis 28. I'm just going to read the story from here. Uh, Jacob reached a certain place. He stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth. No Led Zeppelin jokes. With its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south, and all people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So God gives that message to Jacob. And Jacob is awestruck. He, he declares that this place is a gate to heaven, and he calls it Bethel, which means house of God. And he promises that if God gets him back, so he's going to go off, and if God gets him back, then he's going to uh, be, then this God will be Jacob's God. Because up until now, you always, we always hear, right, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but we have not heard yet. It's just the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. And this God is not yet the God of Jacob. But it seems like Jacob is open to it. And, and I wonder if maybe the thing he was looking for, this birthright, didn't have to do with all the stuff, but maybe it was to find a sense of place or belonging with this God. Well, fast forward, Jacob does get married, yay, twice, okay, <laughs> keep marriage biblical. All right, so he gets married, <laughs> cross that out for the next service. All right, to Leah, that's the first wedding, right? He gets married to Leah, uh, and, and that's this older sister, but he was tricked into marrying her because he wanted the younger sister, Rachel. He really wanted to marry Rachel, but uh, he was tricked in saying, uh, and the dad said, sorry, we don't do that here. The oldest goes first. And so Jacob, by the same way he deceived his own family, he's, he's being judged by it, right? And it comes back to him. Sorry, dude, you wanted the younger, but that's not how things work. You marry the older one. Now you marry the younger one. And between the two wives and their two servant girls, uh, you can do with that what you want. He has one daughter, Dinah, and 12 sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, hey, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now these sound like the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel. Who's Israel? There is no Israel in this story yet. There is no Israel. These are the 12 sons of Jacob. So who's Israel? In Genesis 32, uh, one night, a mysterious man, maybe an angel, maybe a being, maybe God himself, there's lots of speculation about this, approaches Jacob and they wrestle all night. And Jacob won't let him go until the man blesses him. So the mysterious man does that. And he also tells Jacob, basically in the future, you will be no longer Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and overcome 
So, see, Jacob, Jacob, Israel, Israel, Jacob. By now, uh, Jacob, we're going to skip ahead a few chapters. If you want to read all this, which I definitely recommend, Genesis 25 through 35 is the, those are the bookends there. Um, God said to Jacob in Genesis 35, go up, actually, let me take a step back, because by now, you need to know this, Jacob finally made it back home. And guess what? Esau doesn't want to kill him anymore. Yay, that's really good news. And Isaac's blessing has really come to fruition over Jacob's life. He has wives, he has children, he has uh, animals, he has all this. And God says to Jacob, go up to Bethel. Remember, that's where he had that first dream. Go up to Bethel and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to the Lord, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. That's significant, because at this point right here, this is where we see that this is not just the God of Abraham and Isaac. But at this point, this has become the God of Jacob. The Lord is Jacob's God. And in verse, uh, chapter 35, verse 11, God said to Jacob, Your name will be Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. And that renaming is much like when Abram was renamed Abraham or Sarai was renamed Sarah. So we see uh, this, this exile, this, this deceiver, this conniver. Uh, it seems like he, he finally got what he's wanted, or what he's been searching for, uh, which is to belong to the Lord. And now we see why we have the 12 sons of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. And just like Thor and Asgard, Israel is a people. It's not just a place. And, and sure, it is a place. It's a physical location. Uh, but more importantly, it's the people who God has chosen to bless the earth through. And through that lineage, uh, if you trace it all the way down, uh, is Jesus. And he's there. And so what does this have to do with you? What does this have to do with me? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's, it's, it's that Jesus makes us family. And this is our family history. This is the story of our family. And if you're like, wow, I could never know that story that well, um, neither could I. I had to write it all down. <laughs> and I, I literally had to read it like five or six times because there's all these places where Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, I just kept getting them confused and like, whose story is what and what happens to who and why are you all mama's boys? Uh, it just gets a little bit confusing. Um, but this is our family history, and it's, it's the more you read it and the more you understand it, I have found for myself, the more fun it is. So I practice telling it to my daughter, and, and I've just pr been practicing telling it, and it gets more fun each time, just like most of our family stories I get more fun as we tell them. So that's if, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're on the fence about following Jesus, uh, Jacob might be your guy. He might be the one that you're like, okay, well, that guy can do this. Maybe I can too. Um, I love this from the interpreter's Bible commentary. It says, in the Genesis story, Jacob was a wanderer. That's the first fact which makes his story so poignant for many a heart. 
men and women often feel themselves in spiritual exile. Not pilgrim, for there is no clear quest before their eyes, but just poor, lonely travelers through what often seems an empty land. And they long for an experience like Jacob's. So maybe that's you. Maybe you've felt that way. Maybe you've been trying to find God, uh, but to no avail. And your best hope is that he will take hold of you and, and wrestle with them. And I've said before of, of doubting Thomas in the New Testament, I like to call him Reasonable Thomas, uh, because he's the ones who ask questions and, and wrestled with those, with Jesus. Um, and Jacob is one who wrestled with God. And my hope for you is, is maybe what your best hope is, that God will take hold of you and wrestle with you as you wrestle with him and bless you and give you a name uh, and make you part of this family that he has created. If you're feeling that call today, or you don't know it's a call, but this interest, because I think that maybe that's where it started with Jacob. He's like, I don't even know what this is, but I'm going to try to chase it down. Um, if you're feeling that interest today, uh, that's kind of where it started with me in high school. I was not really interested in uh, all the God things, but I was going to church and I was showing up, and then it just kind of over time, I was like, I think I'm actually interested in this. So while one year I went to a retreat where I basically like showed up at the retreat and then I, I ignored everything and I skipped sessions and it was just basically a cut up, the next year I went back because this time I was seeing my life was like one foot in two different lands, right? And there was like church Dan, and then there was like school Dan. And uh, I, was, I, was, I was being torn apart by my own cognitive dissonance of living two separate personas. Uh, but after my 10th grade year in high school, my sophomore year, I went to the same retreat and I just, I just gave God the chance, you know, like we can give God a chance. But, but I, opened, I was open to receiving him. And so I did that, and it was like, God, I don't know what you want or what you're going to do or if you're real, but sure, I'm going to show up. So I went to the sessions, and I uh, was involved in things, and I listened. And, and just in that time together, uh, he encountered me in a way that I had never uh, experienced before. And, and from that moment, my life and my heart really changed and went toward uh, toward God, which was like, whoa, this is different. And literally, like, life change, person change, um, hopefully for the better. I wasn't, like, the nicest person in, in early high school, um, but my character changed, and, and the Holy Spirit did that in me. And if you're like, I have no hope for that being me, dude, and I'm also not interested. Um, well, if you're not interested, I don't know that I can help you, uh, except I hope that this story is compelling enough to say, well, maybe, maybe there's something there. Because Jacob... Jacob did not have a great start. He's an unlikely hero. He, is, he, he came out as the deceiver and he stole things, and yet God used this guy, this guy, uh, to, to bless the world through. So there is, there is nowhere in Scripture that says, you're too screwed up for God to bless the world through you. That is not a Bible verse. <laughs> yep, you can be totally screwed up, and he'll still use you, uh, if you if you let him and if you want to. Um, because uh, I look around this room, and I tell you, I see a lot of screw-ups. <laughs> yep. And we're all following Jesus. <laughs> and you could say the same of me, right? Uh, but we get to do it together, and that's why we're a community of grace. So, you know, God was for Jacob, and he is for you. 
And he shows us that in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is the resurrection. And there is, there is no sin, there is no death, there is no mistake, there is no screw-up, there is, there is nothing you can do that is greater than God's capacity to forgive and to heal and use. You cannot. Uh, if, if you think that's true, then pride is your biggest issue because the God of the universe who created all things, uh, you can't sin greater than he can forgive. You just can't. Thank God for God. That's good news. So if this is hitting you today, if you're like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm interested. What's, what's next? Um, really, it's, it's, I would love it if, uh, if you would talk to somebody. Maybe it's somebody in your family uh, who you feel has a, a better relationship with God that you do. Maybe it's somebody here at the Orange Wall, some volunteers. Maybe it's our pastors or staff or me. Um, but I hope that a conversation can happen uh, because it's, it's like, yeah, God, God wants to do something. And if you feel something, that's what we call the Holy Spirit is working in you and on you and moving in you. So uh, don't let it slip by if, if, you, if at all possible. We want to do this together. Also, you'll, and I'll tell you a little bit more about this. It feel like it keeps getting teased because uh, Pastor Angie teased it earlier. But we have today some meetups, uh, some seasons meetups, which I'll tell you about toward the end of the service that, uh, that are a great opportunity to get to know what maybe it might be like to be in relationship with Jesus' people. So that said, I uh, hope you know that Jesus is for you. God's love is greater than your sin. And if God can use Jacob, he can certainly use you. Would you pray with me? Father God, thanks for your goodness. Thanks for your kindness towards us. Uh, thanks that you are writing a giant, epic story. Um, and thanks that you've made us a story people. I pray that today that we all just have a greater appreciation for who you are and the story that you're writing. Come to understand it a little bit more so we come to understand who we are a little bit more in light of you and the great lengths that you've gone through uh, to make us this people who gather in this place at this time or at home online. You're doing the same work. And I pray that you will uh, you'll nourish the seeds that have been planted today. That's your work. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.